0: Welcome to the Defender Podcast, a resource to help mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm your host, Herbie Newell. Well, it's Wednesday, January 10th, 2024, and Dr. Rick and I are coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama, and we are grateful to have a dear friend uh, a dear sister in Christ, and someone who we had the great privilege of calling uh, a close colleague for many years, Chelsea Soblick, and uh, Chelsea is coming, and she has uh, going to just update us on her journey. Last time we talked to her, she and her husband Michael were on the adoption journey of little Dev from India. And now they are on their way home. And and you may know Chelsea not only from her time at Lifeline, but also from her time with the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, where she worked for many years on Capitol Hill. And currently, she is the Director of Government Relations at World Relief, a global Christian humanitarian organization, and the largest evangelical refugee resettlement in the U.S. at World Relief. She seeks to empower the local church to serve the most vulnerable, and she works on public policies that touch internationally displaced people, refugees, and migrants. But also, Chelsea is the author of many books, including Longing for Motherhood, holding on to hope in the midst of childlessness. Her writings appear in the Wall Street Journal, USA Today, National Review, Christianity Today, the Gospel Coalition, Desiring God, Risen Motherhood, and so many other outlets. And so today, what a great privilege to have Chelsea Soblik join us, who is now on the other side of childlessness with being a mom and getting to see Michael be a dad. I want to take a
1: quick time out to talk about International Adoption Scholarships. Here at Lifeline, we want to remove barriers so that families can say yes to God's call to adoption. We realize that finances can be one of the largest barriers to a family beginning an adoption journey, so we're grateful for the Hope Adoption Fund, which provides financial assistance to families. Because of generous donors, we're able to offer an extension on the $1,000 scholarships available to families applying for international adoption as long as you apply before January 31st, 2024. Families can begin the adoption process and apply for the scholarship by visiting lifelinechild.org backslash begin-your-adoption-journey-today, or you can visit the show notes uh, for the link. So that's lifelinechild.org begin-your-adoption-journey-today, or check it out in the show notes. Now on to our episode.
0: Chelsea, thanks for joining us, and I think it's this time now that we get to bring on the venerable Dr. Rick as well. Dr. Rick, we're just so excited to have Chelsea back on the podcast, and we can at least pretend just for today uh, that we're all working together, right?
1: Absolutely. Well, she's never far and uh, and is always a, um, a, you know, feels like a part of our team because she's such a valued friend. Um, it, you know... It, <laughs> You guys know what a crybaby I am. And so I'm starting already, right? Uh but it this is like so, this is so cool to um because goodness, Chelsea, I feel like that that this uh had a front row seat to seeing God do some pretty amazing things um in your life and in your heart, um to to go back to um to go back to before Michael, <laughs> no. to go back to, um, you know, to, to meeting you in DC and, and, you know, even before ERLC and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, just knowing that the journey that the Lord's had you on. And, and so, um, you're now a wife and a mom and, and like all of all these amazing things that God has, has, has written into your story. And, uh, just, I'm so grateful for your vulnerability friend. um, thank you for, um, for being vulnerable enough to, to write your thoughts and to, um, and to share about the things that the, the, the things that the Lord has done and accomplished and the things that you've wrestled through over time. And, and so, um, to, to get to, to come to the place where we're today talking about um you're not you're not longing for motherhood anymore (laughs) your mom and uh and and your, your mom to a pretty amazing little guy dev and so welcome to the podcast thanks for joining us um talk to us about like where are you today what's it like
2: well, it is just wonderful to be back, and I count you both as just the dearest of, of friends. So it's great to, great to be back. So, little bit of backstory: we, Michael, and I started the adoption process in spring twenty twenty. <laughs> we all know what was happening in spring. Perfect
1: timing.
2: Yeah, perfect timing. But uh, honestly, COVID gave us the space to be able to have some of those really big conversations. And I mean, for anyone who's ever walked through or walked alongside someone in the adoption process, there's so many big things you need to think through and talk through and pray through. And so we really began having some of those conversations. And I will say, <laughs> I knew even before we knew domestic, internet, well, even before we figured those things out, we knew we wanted to adopt from Lifeline. Um, I respected Lifeline for years and years and worked alongside you and with you for for years and so that was truly a decision we didn't even have to make because it was already made for us. And I say that because one of the biggest things about walking through an adoption process, it's such an intimate and almost invasive process. I mean, a social worker knows more about our lives than you know almost anyone does, from your finances to your mental, health. all these different aspects. And so we really wanted. It was really important to us to pick an agency, Lifeline, that shared our values, our Christian values. Um, So we really started having those conversations in 2020, started the process. Um, We were, we ended up moving, we live in the D.C. area. We moved from D.C. to Virginia about five miles and had to completely redo our home study because we crossed state lines. So that delayed us a little bit, but we were matched with our son. We chose India. We were adopting from India. We were matched with our son in September, the end of September, 2022. And then we traveled to India, September, 2023. And this is such a cool, the Lord's so cool in how he works out some of the, the details, but we, um, uh, the day we brought our son Dev Home with us um, from the orphanage was actually Michael's birthday, and then our son's passport appointment where we went to apply for his passport was a year to the day that we were matched with him, and we said yes. Um, so we were. And we might get into this. We were in India a little bit longer than we anticipated, but um, (laughs) even a couple months removed, while it was very hard in the moment, I see so many of the benefits of being there a little bit longer. So we came home the end of October. Um, So we've been home a couple months now and settling in as a family of three. And it's hard and beautiful. The hardest and the best thing I've I've done, um, for sure. All wrapped up into... A tiny two
0: two and a half year old. <laughs> well, Chelsea, I mean I hate I hate jumping right into it, but let's get into it, right? The a lot of a lot of your journey has been hurry up and wait, unfortunately. Um, you know, from a from a schedule of a of an American that is a professional that, that has done so many different things. We hate waiting. We, we like getting things done. Now we like getting it checked off our to-do list. I know you too. Uh, you and I suffer from the same thing of get it off, get it out, get it done. Um, yes. <laughs> but I remember I was even in DC with you on Capitol Hill when you got the call for getting your match. And, uh, and I remember even we, we were able to walk to the ERLC offices and, and, I walked down the coffee shop to let you and Michael have that moment of getting to to hear that you'd been matched with Dev. And yet it took a whole year for you to be able to travel, which was not what we had expected, not what anybody expected. And then, like you mentioned, you were in country much longer than you expected. But outside of not liking waiting like no one does, what were some of the things that the Lord taught you? Or just what did you learn in the waiting that has been invaluable to the process and to the days that you're living in right now?
2: Oh gosh, there's so much. I mean, first of all, and this is, I mean, this is something I have to remind myself of all the time, but when you're in the middle of waiting, especially when it's for something you really want and the waiting is taking much longer than you ever anticipated. um, I think it, can be tempting for me to think it's wasted time or it's just it's just plain hard and i have to constantly remind myself in those seasons of really difficult days or really prolonged waiting seasons that it's not wasted time and that god is not only present in those times i mean of course we know and remember we're never forsaken but so he's not only present with us, he's also working in that time. And I'll be honest, there have been times where I have no I have no clue what on earth God is up to in those moments and those seasons. But that's one of the beauties of, you know, having some, some time and being able to look back and see, okay, I can begin to see what the Lord was doing here. And I mean, there are seasons in my life where I've seen glimpses of that. And I don't think I'm going to understand fully until eternity, what, what God was up to. But I mentioned we were in India longer, uh, Dev's passport took, took longer than we anticipated. And in the moments, I mean, we were on the other side of the world without family, without friends. It was just me, my husband and Dev in a hotel room. And I already just a couple months removed from that can see we had five weeks of uninterrupted bonding time with Dev. And again, in the moment, it was hard. We were, it was just hard. But even having a couple months of perspective, it has made our transition home so much easier um, because he knows Michael and I, and he began to trust us and to know that we are his mom and dad. I mean, we spent hours every day just sitting on the floor and playing and all these different things. And so I think the two biggest things I constantly am learning and relearning and re-remembering um are that it's not wasted time and it can feel that way especially when you know I had my timeline for things and this and that it's not wasted time and um the Lord's always I think it was John Piper that said the Lord's always doing 10,000 things and we're aware of five of them um and so learning to trust that God is 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 working for our good in those moments I think and I need to remind myself of this constantly because I Forget it. But um, and those words are easy to say, you know, with a little bit of time removed, but the the moments are hard too. And and that's okay. Um, that it's hard because um scripture gives us prayers to pray in hard moments. And um, I mean, you read the Psalms and David cries out to the Lord in seasons of waiting, um, and tells God how hard it is. And so two things can be true at once: something can be hard and we can feel that we can feel the hardness of that, but it can also be true that God is, is working not only in the situation, but on us and our character in those moments too.
1: Yeah. I think, um, you know, I, as I'm listening to you talk just about, about your experience, I was, I was kind of, I was taken back to a, to a moment in our, in our first adoption with Eric and, and, um, being in one of those moments where, uh, Denise was making fun of me. I have to, so it's like, I have to, I have to tell it fully. Um, I was, uh, oh man, just, uh, wanting to make stuff happen. (laughs) Right. Like, and, and, you know, and Chelsea, I know you well enough to know, um, you know, when you're, when you're kind of catalytic as a personality and and you sort of, you want to make stuff happen. Um, that, you know, those are, those are tough times when, when you're completely helpless and, and at the behest of someone else. And, you know, I just remember I was like, I was having one of those moments and, and, you know, she, um, lovingly used sarcasm and just put her hand <laughs> on my shoulder and said, Hey, this is driving you crazy, isn't it? And, uh, and, and, And it was, it was one, you know, but it was in one of those moments of helplessness, just having that awareness to be driven to a place where, um, where your perspective is, is like undeniably altered, right? Mm -hmm. Like you, you see, we see who we really are before the Lord. We see, we see, you know, what we really are and we see our dependence. And, and so I'm, I'm just curious in in you know negotiating the roadblocks and in in dealing with the stuff that that you kind of came face to face with through the process of of getting to dev and in you know starting this this phase of your life you ran up on some stuff that you couldn't you couldn't there was no force of will there was no anything and and you saw you know you saw your dependency upon god um how would you encourage other people that are sitting in that right now? What would you mm-hmm. say about, because um, I thought it was beautiful what you said about the tension that that we live in and the reality of, of, you know, of of realizing it and seeing the beauty in it, even when we, even when we have to admit we don't like it either. And, and so, you know, how would you encourage somebody else? If you just were pulling up a, a chair and a cup of coffee right now and, and saying, Hey, this is, this is tough. And, and you're helpless, but it's okay.
2: I think there's there's two things I would say that have been just incredibly helpful for us. Um, number one, I mean, anyone who's walking in caring for vulnerable children and families, whether that's you know, welcoming a child home through adoption or being involved in but whatever that looks like for you, we're always holding the tension of The good and the hard together, um, or the beauty and the brokenness together. And so, I mean, so much of life is that tension and walking through a roadblock or walking through (laughs) a 180, (laughs) it feels like sometimes we're always holding that tension and almost to make peace with. I can speak for myself. I so often think, okay, if I can just get XYZ done, then things will be easier. Or if we just get through this season, then we'll have peace and almost to make peace with that's not guaranteed. That's not a promise. And if we keep waiting to get through the next thing to have peace, we're, we're never going to have it. And so figuring out how to trust the Lord in the middle of, of the journey and it's hard, it's so hard, but, you know, releasing control of how we thought things would be, um, expectations versus reality can often trip us up um and so releasing really learning to trust the lord in the middle and in the hard and the roadblocks and and learning to hold so much of that tension together and then the second huge thing i would encourage someone we cannot do this alone we were never built to walk the christian faith alone we need um we need the church community. We need brothers and sisters to hold our arms up when we're we want to collapse and we're so tired and we're so weary and we're frustrated and exhausted. We need the body of Christ. Um and even though in India we were physically removed from our church community, praise God for technology, we could still um FaceTime and call and text with our community. And I mean we had. Our, our dearest friends in DC checked in on us every single day and asked how we were doing. And most days it felt more like complaining than, you know, but we were able to say, honestly, like today was really hard because of this, or today, today was actually a good day or, you know, all those things, but we need the body of Christ walking beside us in, in those moments reminding us of what is true, even when we might feel like our prayers are bouncing up against the ceiling and, you know, just coming right back down we need we need the faith of others um when ours feels weak um and so the two things i'd say are lean heavily on community um and be good community for other people and then you know make peace with the, so much of life is tension and um and that's okay because i mean so much of what we read in the bible is holding you know the already and the not yet the the promises that we have that. Um, and working that out on earth. So those are the two big things I think i I'd, I'd encouraged someone with.
0: No, that's so deep and so rich and is a reminder for all of us, no matter what we're doing, waiting is an inevitable part and it's hard. Roadblocks are inevitable to whatever we're doing, but especially when you're longing and have been longing for this child who you know their name and you know where they are. And each day feels like an insurmountable task and like something that you're missing. Uh, just, I hope that, that so many parents that are waiting right now that have been longing uh, in the same way you and Michael have, will hear those words and let just the truth of God's word and the truth of God's promises wash over them. Waiting is difficult, waiting is hard, but oh, the goodness of God and the mercy of God. And, you know, even as we've just come past the Advent season and Christmas season to know the 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 waiting that the children of Israel had, 400 years of silence where it felt like the Lord was not speaking, but yet there Christ burst onto the scene, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And I know even for us on this side, life can feel like waiting is never going to end as we're waiting even for for Christ to come back and for the the hardship of this world to end. But take heart, beloved, we have a Savior who knows what it means to comfort us and to help us and to uh, be with us and to grow us. So talking about all the waiting, and, and you mentioned it a little bit at the beginning, but I'd love just to talk about just the joy of the reality what has it been like watching michael your husband be a dad and what has it been like to be a mom you 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 wrote longing for now that that longing has been fulfilled what is it what is it like and and i'd even maybe ask as well and for those who don't know chelsea herself was adopted by her family how has it even opened up maybe the the journey that your family went through to bring you home
2: Oh my gosh, there's so much to say. I'll try to be quick, but man, it is just the best thing to watch Michael be a dad. He's, anyone that knows him knows he is the biggest heart on planet Earth and he's just the best dad. And it's so cool to see Dev relate to me and to Michael differently. And just such a reminder that kids need a mom and a dad. They need both parents. And um, my role in Dev's life is different than michael's a role in dev's life so it's been really sweet to get to step into parenthood together but also get to be a mom and a dad to Deb. and that sounds so simplistic but it's true i mean kids need a mom and a dad to to you know that's how god designed it but man it's so sweet dev is just we are constantly blown away by him this kid is so confident he's just the we're just absolutely smitten with him um, and going back to that beauty and brokenness, I mean we adopted Dev when he was two and a half and so both being so joyful that we are now with him, um, but there have been so many moments where I've sat and rocked him to sleep and just cried because I we didn't get to have the baby snuggles with Dev and we didn't there's two and a half years of his life that we weren't present with and and grieving that and grieving it is a loss for for us and, and for him, he was in an orphanage before and, um, entrusting those, what feel like missing years, um, entrusting those to the Lord and knowing that we weren't present as his parents, but God was present in his story and God never left or forsaked him. Um, and so holding that even now, um, those, it's such a, there's all, I think there's beauty in adoption. But there's also hard things. And so continuing to hold those um, together, um, even if, as Dev grows up and helping him navigate his story, I will say, I, like you mentioned, I was adopted from Romania and grew up with five other siblings who were adopted. And I mean, I've always had so much respect for my parents on a million levels, but walking through traveling internationally and bringing a child home, um, internationally, we had a 15 hour flight home. I mean, that alone, gives me any respect, you know, but I mean, just knowing, I think now as a parent, you really, you're beginning to realize how much self-sacrifice goes into every aspect of raising a child, whether it's getting up three to five times during the night and you're exhausted or retooling your finances to, you know, financially just so many different ways. But, um, I just have my respect and esteem for them has just shot through the roof. Um, and I've, again, I've always respected them, but walking through a similar journey to become a parent, um, has been really cool. And I love, obviously Dev and I are from different countries and have different stories, but how we both joined our family is the same. It's through international adoption. And so he'll always know his mom in some Way knows what it's like to have joined a family through adoption, and I'm really excited to get to share that with Dev and um, talk through that with him, mom to son of of what it's like. And um, yeah, there's there's so many things, and I think one of the biggest things that I'm learning, and I'm sure I'll always be learning. Um, a friend told this to me, so it's not original to me, but hard doesn't equal bad. There's so many hard things we experience in India we experienced in the waiting process, we've already experienced being parents of, we went from zero children to having a toddler. I mean, that's hard, but it's not bad. And I mean, the best things in life are hard and they should be because they take work and refinement and all of these different things. So, I mean, for anyone listening, whatever hard looks like for you right now, um, you know, it's not bad. It's just hard. And there's so many things in life that are hard but um i mean parenthood is simultaneously the best thing in the entire world and the, the hardest thing all at once
1: you know i'm i'm just i was sitting here listening to you you answer that last question and this is one of those times when i really grieve that this is not a video podcast um because the the joy on your face is mm. just um amazing it's it's so fun to To see, just you know the what the what the Lord has given you, and and uh, seeing you talk about Michael and and about him becoming a dad, we you know he's he is genuinely. Let's just be honest. He is genuinely the nicest person any of us know. So
2: he. I'm biased, yes,
1: (laughs) but I mean he really is, and and so you know to. just imagining seeing the the fun and the joy and him being able to, you know, invest that in Dev's life has got to be something that's, you know, that's fun to to sit in and, and and to, you know, just just to be part of. I, I think um, you know, part of the reality though is that um I think somebody somebody told me one time <laughs> that life is nothing more than a series of renegotiations. <laughs> <laughs> You know, that like we're like we we find our, you know, we find our journey with the Lord through life as as just we're kind of changing and adapting and renegotiating to, you know, circumstances and things and and you're in the midst of, you know, renegotiating to some pretty some pretty incredible and some pretty joy-filled circumstances. But nonetheless, um, you know, there are changes in renegotiation and and one of the things that is, um, you know, that we love about you is the, the fact that um, that you're really thoughtful about how you go about all of this. Part of what has made you a great writer and, and has, um, you know, has allowed you to, to be able to develop that part of yourself is the fact that you you really do kind of think deeply and drink those things in. And, and so one of the things that you did along the way um, while you were in the midst of the adoption process was um you wrote another book um about about work and you know and and kind of thinking from the perspective of of a woman um you know a, a gospel vision for women and work the book's called uh, called to cultivate and um uh, and and so and it's just a really beautiful reflection on on thinking about you know God's purpose in um in in creation and and you talked about a little bit of those differences and you know, what you've seen in parenting uh between, you know, a mom and a dad and and you know, how men and women are different, but we're also different in in how we produce and in what we do and how we work. And there's, you know, that's that's rooted in God's design and is ultimately redeemed by the gospel like everything else. And and so your reflections about that have to be a little different today than they were when you were writing the book, is your balance in motherhood and you know, and, and, and being a wife and all these other roles that are so important to you in life. Um, well, like, kind of through the lens of that book, bring us forward a little bit. And and what is it like today, balancing, um, you know, the world of work and productivity and ministry and all that alongside the ministry that the Lord's given you and uh, in the life of this, you know, awesome
2: little boy? <laughs> All the things. Yeah. I, I mean, there's a lot to say there, um, but I wrote about in the book and this certainly applies to all women who are working, which is all women, because I mean, some women work inside the home. Some women work outside the home and some, a combination of the two and some women work inside the home for a season and then step back in. And so one of the biggest differences of men and women in more traditional professional workplaces is after men have children, it's, it's expected that men go back to work, but then women, there's a lot of different considerations for women. Um, whether that's, you know, a nap time hustle, um, staying home or, um, you know, going back part time, there's just so many different other considerations women have than men do in the the workplace. But the, through line of the book and what i really wanted to emphasize um is that i mean from the b- very beginning of time um humans have been a working people and women have always played a vital role in the flourishing of their churches their communities their families and the kingdom of god through their work and women's work matters and so i think that concept of of seasons i think for women especially is really helpful because it helps us think not in this you know 50 years what is my calling but I mean the calling of every Christian is the same it's to love God and love neighbor but what is this this season of life dictate how does faithfulness in the season of life look like um and that changes pretty frequently to be honest um like you said I just stepped into motherhood so there's a lot of things that are shifting in all areas of life but um I actually just finished a book, a biography of Elizabeth Elliot. And one of the things that struck me about her life is her calling never changed, but her assignments did. She had three different husbands in her lifetime. She lived um, in South America and then the United States and her life shifted in huge ways, but her calling to, to, to faithfully follow Christ never changed. And so that's true of me. That's true of you. That's true of any man and woman who, who works, which is the majority of humanity, um, that our our calling truly never does change. And it's, it's the same, but, um, what faithfulness and wisdom look like in different seasons. Um, and that's hard. I mean, it's hard in a lot of situations when, you know, maybe a, a woman wants to stay home, but financially she needs to work part time. And there's, there's some really hard, tough conversations there. Um, but one of the cool things about living in, you know, 2024 is we can drive uber on you know after bedtime or do instacart or there's different ways to couple together you know extra income if a family needs that it doesn't look like it did even five years ago um but um kind of stepping into a new role i mean there's so much that's changed but um the through line of my life and really all of our lives is a through line of faithfulness
0: Well, Chelsea, we're we're so grateful and thankful for your life and for your faithfulness and just so grateful that we get to celebrate even the coming together of your family. But as we close, I, I'd just love for you to talk a little bit about this new book, even the new experiences, how you've already seen it making an impact in the lives of women. What are ways that you've already seen the fruit of of that labor, that 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 labor to write down these thoughts and and to put down these encouragements? How have you already start to see it work in the lives of women?
2: I think one of the biggest questions women either vocally or just internally ask one another or ask, think in our heads is how does she do it all? And the reality is no one does it all. And what I I've had a lot of conversations on on social media, which I I love, but just having other women realize um, just the beauty of working faithfully with excellence where God has called you. And I, I hope that gives women a lot of freedom to not feel like they have to have it all figured out because, I mean, really none of us have it all figured out. And the freedom that none of us can have it all, at least not all at once. Um, and and I, I think just, I've heard from women that it has given them some freedom to think through, um, you know, shifting things around to, um, to prioritize family in this season, or um, maybe a single woman is prioritizing work a little bit more in this season. But um, I love the concept of riding a bicycle because women talk a lot about balancing everything and you can't balance everything because everything shouldn't get equal amounts of our time, energy, and attention. But when you're riding a bicycle, your weight shifts to ride a bicycle, to balance a bicycle, to go forward. I think life is kind of that way and, and helping give women almost a roadmap of here's how to balance, put different emphasis on different um, areas to be able to move the bicycle of your life forward, if that makes sense. So I hope it gives women a lot of freedom, um, in multiple different areas, um, to, to be freed up from feeling this burden of how do I do it all? How do I do it? Like all those different things to just say, where's God put me today? How can I do excellent work where I am today? How can I love and serve others today? Um, and entrusting, you know, tomorrow to God. Um, so I, I've heard, and I I hope it continues to give women, um, freedom and to free them up from those, the guilt that we often place on ourselves.
1: Well, Chelsea, you have been so kind to take time to, to spend a little bit of time visiting with us for us to be able to catch up. Um, it's, it's been fun as, you know, as I said to, you know, be able to stop and just drink in a little bit about what the, what the Lord's done. But, um, I want to end and, uh, and, and just kind of peer into one more, one more thing. Um, anybody that knows you, anybody that knows Michael, um, they know that there's one there's one other person that's part of your household um, that's that's pretty much a fixture and that's uh, that's <laughs> Lionel, your cat uh, who is uh, a part of every meeting and and is uh, is a part of the reality and so I'm just I'm really curious about you know what what do you think Lionel thinks about all this and what does Dev think about Lionel? How are we doing?
2: <laughs> How are we doing? if this was a video podcast you would see him sleeping. It's so funny. So (laughs) in India, there's monkeys everywhere and the Hindi word for monkey is babu. And (laughs) Deb understands what cats are. We would read in books. But when we got home, he kept calling Lionel a babu. And Michael (laughs) and I said, does Deb think we have a pet monkey? i mean same size long tail i mean so they're slowly building a friendship dev will get so excited that he'll scare lionel but dev has found (laughs) where his treats are so he'll just go (laughs) give
1: the
2: cat all the treats and they're gonna be the best of buds eventually but i think dev still thinks we might have a pet monkey in our house
1: that's pretty awesome. That, that is great? that is like that is so good. Well, um yeah. I'm never I'm never gonna be able to look at Lionel the same way now. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna see him. He you need Our to get him a little hat. People. Maybe a little hat. <laughs> you know, you could maybe have a little organ grinder kind of thing going on. That'd be a great, you know, maybe that's maybe that's his Halloween costume this year. But um I
2: will say Death's favorite I was just gonna say, Dev's favorite yeah. stuffed animal is his little gray cat, though. So I'm very proud <laughs> that that's what he's chosen.
1: He is following. He is following in yes. your footsteps.
2: Yes, train up a child.
1: <laughs> there you go. Well, hey, we're. It's been such a privilege just to to be able to have a little bit of time with you and to catch up and um and and so we got you got to promise us we got to do this again. We'll uh, we'll 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 check in with you again soon and uh, and get a report on how you guys are doing but thanks for being with us
2: Thanks for having me it's been it's been a delight
0: Follow us at Lifeline on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at infolifelinechild.org. At Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again next week for the Defender Pipe.